Hi, welcome to The School Run. I'm Jane. And I'm Liv. And we are going to share with you the best conversations we have on our school run. We will invite guests and debate topics that affect and resonate with every generation. We all remember our own school run. So maybe have a think about yours. What do you remember? Hello and welcome to another episode of The School Run. Um, Liv and I are really enjoying these chats. It's an absolute privilege to have such prolific, profound people on our podcast sharing their wisdom with young people, with me and my daughter. It's a very special space that we share Liv is obviously my 15-year-old daughter and together we co-host The School Run. So if you've never listened to an episode before, we hope that you really enjoy what we do and go back and to listen to previous episodes. We've had people from football, cricket, business, mental health, all sorts of professions and it's just lovely to get to know them. How are you feeling about this episode, Liv? I'm excited. I, I mean, I've never met Nigel before, but I'm excited to see where the conversation goes. I'm sure it'll be a good one. We're here joined by Nigel Topless. Nigel is currently in South Africa, so we can now say we're a global p- podcast, I'm sure, as he's <laughs> recording from South Africa. He is the author of several books. He's the managing director of a major franchising um, group called the Barden Group. And he's just told us that he's in his 20th year of business and franchising. So this is going to be a very exciting chat. I also know that Nigel has been a massive mentor to me. I'm very privileged to know him and have the years of wisdom that he shared with me. He loves South Africa. He loves walking and sport and he's very passionate about elephants. So I'm sure that we're going to have a super chat. Thank you for joining us, Nigel. My pleasure, Jane. My pleasure. Nice to meet you guys. I'm so glad that you're, that you're here and, and happy to chat to us. Where do we start? What can we start with your journey? 20 years in business. Olivia's about to go and do business A-level um, at college. And I know that you've talked at universities in the past. You've got some affiliations with different universities and you love sharing and empowering with young people. What, what advice do, would you give with all of your years of business? Should we start there? Well, we can do. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm obviously older than I look because I started in uh, in in franchising actually nearly 30 years ago. I was I started with the Barden Group 20 years ago, but before that, um, I ran Coolquick, um, the printing franchise. So I've been around a long time, even though I look particularly young. I know, right? So yeah. look, um, and and it's an interesting one. I give a lecture at Lancaster University every uh, every year to the students there. And, uh, and I remember saying to the dean uh, a couple of years ago, I said, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years, every year without fail, talking about franchising, talking about, you know, how you can get into business and talking about the success of franchising and so on and so forth. And every year I get a one year older and every year the students stay the same age. And it's really, <laughs> really surreal. You know? So, um, look, I love business. I love being in business. Um, I like the whole cut and thrust of business. I think the, the, the essence to my mind is that businesses make a difference. You know, if we don't have business, if we don't have private enterprise, how can we support the public sector? We can't. There's no other way, right? You know, and I don't want to be controversial in the first 30 seconds of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But we have to we have to look at what is a wealth generator. You know, if you create wealth, then you have the ability to do with that wealth what you wish, right? If you don't generate wealth, then the only way you can support things that don't generate wealth is by borrowing money. So, so you know, you, you have a choice. Either you drive business to make money and you then tax that money, which you then distribute it to other places, right? Or you don't have business and you go out and you borrow money from wherever. And we all know the old thing about, you know, he who pays a piper. And rest assured, if you borrow and borrow and borrow, the people who lend and lend and lend are going to want something in return. Ultimately, it'll be control. Yeah. So I'm a great believer in business. I'm a great believer in generating wealth. But I'm also a great believer that you need to distribute that wealth. Um, so, so, you know, I start from that, from that platform. Um, I, I, um, I, I guess I had a slightly different upbringing to, to a lot of people in the sense that I, I was born and raised in Singapore, right? Um, and I didn't leave there until I was 18. So I'm a Singaporean by birth. I'm a Singaporean by education. I'm a Singaporean through and through. Um, but my parents were English. My, my father was in business out there. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 I sat on the knee of business, as it were, as I grew up and understood about, uh, about interaction with people. Because doing business as, you know, in, in a, in a uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic environment in the 60s, 70s, 80s, um, was exciting. It was different, but it meant you had to be a people person. It meant you had to understand how to deal with people, how to talk to people, how to liaise with people, how to how to bring people on board, how to how to win hearts and minds, and uh, and all the rest of it. And then I left there obviously when I was eighteen because um, uh, they had a uh, the government had a policy of uh, of putting everybody into the army for uh, a period of time. And uh, and yeah, my dad thought the three years in the army wasn't going to do me the world of good. Debatable, debatable, but you know he took that view, which is fine. So I came back to England and I, and I went and I studied and uh, and uh, and did all that sort of stuff. Um, and then and since then I've really been, I w- I've always been employed in in what I would call major corporations, not by design, by by luck more than anything else. Uh, but I was with Allied Demec, Allied Lions, uh, Allied Breweries. I mean, big, big, uh, huge brewery um, and vintner uh, company. I was there for many, many years in different departments in different parts of the country doing different things, uh, specializing in, in geodemographic work in the, in the, uh, in the eighties and so forth. And then I joined Labbrooks. So I went from beer to betting. Seemed like a pretty good move. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I stayed there for, for uh, a number of years developing new, uh, new concepts in betting, which was interesting because it was, it's a very regulated industry. Um, you can't just go and do what uh, what you want, but it was it was very exciting. We had a very very good uh, managing director who pushed us to do new and innovative uh, things, um, and I ended up leaving Labras for a whole whole number of reasons, but primarily because um, I was looking to do something. Um, I, w- I was in I was in the telephone business at that time. Labras had a number of different de- uh, departments, but we we ran commentaries on football and racing and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and Labras were looking to shed that part of the company because, frankly, it wasn't core business. Understandably, absolutely agreed. Um, and I wanted to um, make a bid for that business. And uh, I went and got funding from a, a, a very big uh, bank, 
But unfortunately, my boss at the time had had uh, done a deal with a rival company, and uh, and the company was sold to the rival uh, with him as the managing director. Great. I mean, you got to say, well finessed and all the rest of it. You know, good luck and all that sort of stuff. Uh, we never fell out, but I left the company uh, and I set up my own business, um, doing something similar, doing uh, telephone questionnaires and and uh, commentaries and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And then, lo and behold, um, well out the blue, um, Callquick, who of course at the time, um, you know, I knew nothing about, but were one of the biggest um, franchise businesses in the, in the in the country, one of the biggest print organisations in the country, and they approached me to see if I wanted to, to come on board in a, in a marketing role. Um, after four interviews and a whole load of psychometric profiling and all the rest of it, um, they, uh, they brought me on board, uh, which was fantastic. And, uh, and I, worked for, I worked for a great man called Moshe Gerstenhaber, who uh, was an absolute um, a revolutionary in his own lunchtime, to be honest, and he really was. Um, I made the point to, to a magazine once that, uh, that Moshe is a, is a great catalyst of ideas. The problem with Moshe is he catalyzes 36 times a day, and you have to pick out the one or two that you can actually do. Uh, <laughs> but a tremendous fellow, knew, knew, uh, knew so much about franchising and, and, uh, and, and had so much energy. And, and he, um, he was one of those people who would let you get on and do, and do. So long as you were a grafter and you, you had a passion for the business, he had no time for people who were lazy. He had no time for people who didn't have passion. If they didn't share his passion, he found a way of, of petulantly not talking to them. I mean, he was a bit like that. You know, it, it was his business. He was proud about it, and he wanted people to share that passion. Yeah. Um, and, and that really, you know, I can always remember, I can always remember going out with him first couple of days. And we went into a... Uh, we went into a, a Corkwick Centre in London and uh, we stood there. He just said, Sandy. I said, uh, all right. He said, well, can you hear that? And I could hear some machines in the background printing and this, that, and the other. I said, oh, machines, Moshe, machines. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, what else can you hear? And there was some talking in the production room. I said, well, I can, I can hear people. He said, more, more, more. What can you hear? And this went on for two or three minutes. He said, he said what you can hear there is profit. And he was absolutely right, he said, because every time people are active, they need to be making money. He said, so that's what you're hearing now, is you're hearing profit. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, uh, eventually, of course, Moshe, is, is, Moshe sold the business and I took over as uh, running Callquick. And, uh, and it was taken over by an Irish company called Adair, who at the time also owned Pronterprint. And um, so uh, when, when I was, I took on both, basically. Uh, so I, I became managing director of both, formed a new company called On Demand Communications, which was interesting. I mean, here's, here's, here's the mentality, isn't it? I wanted to set up a new company called Odyssey. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. I woke up in the middle of the night and went, Odyssey. That'll do. Great name. <laughs> so I went, I went across to Dublin. And I sat down with them. I said, this new company, we should call it Odyssey. And they went, nah. <laughs> All right. Any reason? Don't like it. I went, okay. But I, I had already, in my mind, thought, mm, they're not going to want me to come up with my own ideas like that. So I said, well, how about something a bit more bland, like on-demand communications? And they went, much better. Much better. <laughs> on-demand. 
No, like that one. Very good. I said, that's very good. Obviously, on-demand communications were immediately shortened to ODC. And if yeah. you say ODC fast enough, you get Odyssey. Oh, <laughs> clever, clever. Hey, this guy didn't come down with the last bit of rain, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> when I listen to your story, Nigel, so far, I mean, you talk very easily and say, and I acquired that company or I, and I took over that role. Or, and, you know, it, it just, it sounds really really easy and 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 streamlined and I know it was just the natural pace of things in your life but taking on a company and being approached to take on a company or buying a company or raising the funds those are not easy tasks are they they're not easy feats no, no, no they're not they're, they're not easy and 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 I, I don't and I'm not trying to be blase about it because it, it, it's 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 certainly things something you need to think about but like I was saying before we 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 uh, we started this uh, the, the the recording, I said don't you know never put off tomorrow what you can do today. And my view has always been if you've got the if you've got someone gives you the opportunity take it, take it. You know particularly if you're young, you know and and you know I may not be young now but I was at one stage young, you know. Yeah. And and my view has always been look, um, take the opportunity, go with. It. If it doesn't work out, take another opportunity. Right? What you can't do is not take the opportunities that are given to you because you'll regret them. In the end, you'll, you'll, you don't want to be those two words, what if, the worst words in the world. You don't want to be saying that to yourself. Uh, and you're right. What do, you, what do you think about that, Liv, in terms of what the advice that Nigel gave you just before we even started? No, I totally agree. Like, it's kind of like this podcast, the opportunity came, and even though I was scared, I took it because. You never know where it's going to take you and all these people that come on our podcast that I'm meeting, I, I can connect with with them on LinkedIn and, like, it's so crazy that I've come to this position where I get to listen to all these amazing people and take so much great advice from them. And it was a really good opportunity, which I'm really glad that I took. I didn't question, like, what if my friends are going to think it's weird? What if it... What if I sound weird on the podcast? I literally just went for it and it's crazy where it's got to. And Nigel gave you that great advice. And it, it's interesting, Nigel, because at this point, I suppose, how did I come across you? Because you're not massive on social media. It's not the thing that you've <laughs> loved to do. But I was at a point in my franchising profession um, early on, really struggling with something, really battling with something, and I just didn't know which way to turn. And, and this piece of advice that I talked about on an earlier podcast episode, actually, said, go to someone who's the best. Go to someone who's ahead of you on the journey. Try and find them. And I went on Twitter and found this guy, Nigel Topless, <laughs> and he tweeted once or twice, a long time ago. And I thought, how do I get in touch with him? And and. However, I was just passionate about trying to have a conversation with you. And I think you were at the airport coming back from South Africa or somewhere at the time, many years ago. And you, we, I got hold of you and we, and we had a conversation. You were so, you, you were so kind to me. You shared your knowledge. You helped me through that, that, that pain point. And obviously our relationship started from there and I'm forever grateful for that. But it was scary trying to find the best in the industry. And would that person even have? Have a call with me, but you, but you did. Well, you know, I, I, I don't understand why people 
don't make time for other people. It's, it's always baffled me. It, it doesn't take a lot out of your life. And if you can do a little bit of good for somebody, surely that has to be a benefit to yourself as well. And, and you know, business is all about relationships, Jane, all about relationships. Uh, and, and, you know, if you, if you have a strong business, that means you have a strong franchise. If you have a strong franchise, you're going to promote franchising. If you promote franchising, we're going to get better people into franchising. If we get better people into franchising, we're going to grow franchising. You know, and I'm passionate about franchising. You know, so, so I think, you know, it's, I, I'm, I've always been delighted to help, help you. You know that. Um, but, but there's also a bit of self-preservation in there because I want it, I want the whole of franchising to improve. I also want, I also want the idiots who are in franchising who are in franchising for the wrong reason to be kicked out and never be allowed yeah. to return. But, but I want the good people to, to, you know, spread the word. And, you know, I, I, I've often said this about franchising and I'm not being critical. It's just my personal opinion. Um, is that I think we can promote franchising more. I think we can promote it better. I think we can be more dynamic. I think we can be more proactive. You know, um, I, the education system in this country, you know, in terms of business, leaves such a lot to be desired. It's almost embarrassing, to be honest. You know, let alone you try and talk to somebody in, in, in education about franchising, they think you're loopy-loop. They really <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's scary. It's absolutely scary. So I think there's a lot that we can do. And, the, and as I say, the, the more we have good people in franchising, the more opportunity we have to spread the word. Yeah, I think it's crazy that if you think about it technically, like a country, it is a business, like with its economy and everything within it, it is literally mm-hmm. a business. And the fact that we don't learn that in school shows how when people come out of school, they don't really know much about life because they've never learned about business. And wherever, wherever you go... It is a business. It's about it's about the profit, and I think it's terrible that we don't learn about it. But you do know about business because obviously you've grown up with me, and you've yeah. heard, and you've watched, and you've been in that environment. And I suppose, Nigel, for you in Singapore, the same thing. You were surrounded in your environment by 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 business. Yes, yes, and I was always I was always attracted to business and understood a bit about business, and you know, and 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 businesses, you know, particularly in. In our kind of business, you know, Jane, you know, where, where, you know, I'm in business to business, you're in business to consumer, you're dealing with kids particularly. It's a very personal business. You make a lot of personal relationships, you know, and relationships build business. And I'm, I'm big into relationships, you know, I'm not big into technology, you know that. I mean, how, goodness knows how I ever got a couple of posts on Twitter because it must have been someone did it for me because there's no way. And I've never used Twitter before and I would never use it again. You know, I just think. <laughs> no. I went back this morning just to have a look when that was. Yeah. It was 2011, I yeah. think, your last tweet. I, I don't know, but that's how I initially found you because in, I suppose, today's world, that's where I thought I'd be able to discover the best person. But then I did d- deeper research and you'd been chairman of the British Franchising Association. Yeah. I was like, ah, there's got to be someone who can introduce me to Nigel. Well, I can tell you that that tweet was sent from America when I was over there seeing somebody over there, and she said to me, you need to be on Twitter, I'll set you up. <laughs> I went, this is what you like, Debbie, I'm not going to go on it, you know, don't, don't, no, I'll set you up. And, and she did. And, and I go, yeah, it's fine. Uh, but look, we all have our strengths, but business to me is about relationships. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, if you, if you can build relationships in business, you can build relationships personally, right? You can start developing the economy. And, and Liv, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, United Kingdom Limited is what we should be called because yeah. that's what we are. 
You know, we are a business and we need to generate wealth. If we don't generate wealth, right, we won't be able to pay for the NHS. I mean, you know, let's not get on to the NHS, which of course is, is a different matter, right? But you won't be able to pay for the NHS. You won't be able to pay for, 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 you know, the police. You won't be able to pay for the fire service because we don't have the wealth. So what are we going to do? We're going to borrow from China? Because I'll tell you what, here's, here's something radical for you. Um, if China came in tomorrow and said, you know what, all this debt you've got, UK, we're going to wipe it out completely. We're going to give you 3 billion, 30 billion, 300 billion, doesn't really matter what it is, they're all numbers, right? We're going to give you enough to wipe out all the debt you've ever had and have a bit in the bank. And you know what? We won't charge you a penny of interest. Oh, by the way, what we do want, though, is we do want to have uh, your uh, communications. So Huawei will take over all your, all your telecommunications, all your satellite and all the rest of it. What will we say? I think we would say yes for the money. I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, there's an old saying, isn't it? We're all prostitutes. We're just haggling over the price. Yeah. interesting interesting <laughs> interesting do you know what it, no. it actually reminds you of something we were doing in PE the other day we were talking about should women footballers be paid as much as men like male footballers and my teacher is saying if you think about it though the football association it is a business and because the women don't bring in as much like in ticket sales, in uh, kit sales, they don't bring in as much money as the men, then for the football association to say, yeah, we're going to pay male football as much as female footballers, then the football association will be working out of debt. And then that made sense to me in my head why they don't get paid the same, because they don't generate as much money as men do. So therefore, they can't be paid as much as the men. I, I think that the, the problem we have in society is that we look at only one aspect, don't we? So you're quite right. You know, if if you pay if you pay you know Marcus Rashford a hundred thousand pounds to play for England, should you play you know um, Mary Earps a hundred thousand pounds because she's the best goalkeeper we've got, right? And you go no 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 I I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the way you should calculate it. I think what you should do is you say right. And we're not going to pay you anything. We're not going to pay the men or the women anything. What we're going to do is we're going to give the men's team, right, 40% of the earnings of that game. So if you play at Wembley and you have 80,000 people and they all play 50 quid or whatever it happens to be and it's 4 million pounds, 40% of that 1.6 million will go into the players and they can share it. And the women will also get 40%. Now, yeah. if only three people turn up to the women, You'll be getting 40% of three for to five bits, that's not all. However, if 80,000 people turn up and pay their 20 quid, and it's blah, 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 then you get the same. So the calculation is not about are they worth the same pound notes? No, they're worth the same opportunity. And that's the key thing. I've always said this. If, if, the, if you've got a job, let's say it's a marketing manager's job, right? And someone's been in their job for a few years and they leave, okay, which is fine. The next person who comes on, right, should start on the same salary that the person left on. You don't, you don't say, oh, because you're a woman or because you're a man or because you're, you know, you're old or you're young or you, you know, whatever. We're going to, you know, I've, I've heard this. Oh, yeah, we'll put you on, we'll put you on probation, right, at 10,000 less. I go, no, no, put them on probation on the same salary. 
That's fine, because after three months, if they're no good, get rid of them. It costs you three months of salary. No. And, and, and the thing is, it's, it's about where you, where you set the equality bar. And I said it's about, it's about opportunity. It's not about the end prize. If, if nobody wants to turn up to watch, you know, um, Nigel Topless playing table tennis, then I'm going <laughs> to get, I'm going to get nothing. But they want to, but if 50,000 people want to turn up to hear Jane sing, Jane gets a load more, load of money. I think that's yeah. absolutely right. It's absolutely yeah. right. You know? Yeah, it's very interesting. No, I haven't thought about it like that, but it's it is very interesting. And you're passionate about sport, aren't you, Nigel? Did that come from a young age? Was sport a big part of your education growing up in in Singapore? Where did your love of sport come? I think I think because I'm an only child, and and by the way, made the decision myself when I was very young. Right when I was seven years old, my dad came to me and he said, "Do you want do you want a brother, a sister, or a dog?" And I went, "Dog." I'd already calculated that all this, all this sisters and brothers crap. No, 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 no. I would have to share everything. I said, no, no, I'll have a dog. And, but I, think, <laughs> I think because I was an only child, um, and, and, you know, my upbringing was slightly different. My father traveled a lot. Uh, so he was away from the, from the house and away from the country for, you know, maybe a few days, sometimes a couple of weeks on end and all the rest of it. Um, and, and we had people in the house. So I had, I had people who would, you know, we had a chauffeur and we had, uh, people to, uh, cook and to clean and that sort of thing. Cause that's what, that is the way it was in those days. Um, and, um, and it was very good, you know, and, and, you know, oops. Oh, no, I can still hear you. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying to find out why I, I've lost, uh, there we go. Um, so, but because I was no child, um, Obviously, I made a lot, quite a lot of friends in an immediate circle, and so we were, we would play football and we would play table tennis and we played all sorts of sports. Um, and uh, and at school, I would I would play sports, and it was it was you know I didn't have brothers and sisters to play with. I had friends, and and they were interested in sports, so I was interested in sports. And that's how it worked. Yeah, that's interesting. And so then, you know, now you, you love sport. You took me once to um, the horse racing. I've never been horse racing before, um, but that was very interesting. Uh, it was a it was a great day out. Hey, not part. Um, <laughs> sorry. Hey, not park. Haydock Park, you're absolutely right. Yes, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, really enjoyed that. And and obviously you've done a lot of walking and, and you do a lot of, you know, raising money for, for, for different causes. And and I suppose, you know, where, do, where does that come from? What's your, what, you know, there's obviously a real intention and a personal value system there that you want to do that. Yes, I mean... I do like walking. I think walking is good for you anyway. And it, and I, I've always said, it, you know, if you're going to do exercise, try and do something you can do when you're old, right? Because uh, you're going to get old, so you want to be able to t- keep on doing it. Um, many years ago, it must be 20 years ago now, um, John Pratt, who you know, who's my franchise lawyer, um, yes. had, a, uh, had a function at his house. And he was... Uh, he was a lawyer for me when I was at Colquick and he had a function there and we went along to this function and, uh, and it was one of those where we, we booked a room overnight and we stayed and all the rest of it and had a couple of drinks and, uh, and a couple of cigars and a couple more drinks and a couple more cigars. And at, at some ungodly hour, John turns to me, he said, uh, 
He said, I, I'm thinking of, of cycling through Cuba to raise money for Wellchild. What do you think? I said, that's marvellous, John. Congratulations. Well done. He said, no, 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 no. He said, <laughs> he said um, I want to get 10 mates together and, uh, and uh, we'll, do the, we'll do the cycle trip and we'll do it from cigar factory to cigar factory. I said, uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, count me in. I, I'm game for anything. It's a good cause. Kids, you know, all that sort of stuff. I've never been to Cuba. That'd be great. Cigar factory sounds good. We'll do it. That was on the Saturday night. On the Monday, he rang me at the office and he said, uh, slight problem, Nigel. Slight problem. Good news and bad news. He said, the good news is we are going to Cuba. I said, that's fantastic, John. I said, what's the bad news? The bad news is I don't have 10 friends. I went, ah. I said, uh, how many friends have you got? He said, you. I went, okay. Right. <laughs> So it was, uh, it was me and him, and we joined up with, um, I think it was uh, one of the cancer charities. We joined their, their group, who were doing the same trip. Um, but we weren't going from cigar factory to cigar factory. We went from um, various points in Cuba. Um, and we did. We cycled the, the whole of Cuba and all, all the rest. Of it. And it was, it was fantastic. And we raised a lot of money for, uh, for charity. And, and, and I thought, well, that was really good. I enjoyed it. I, we raised money. The kids enjoyed it. All that sort of thing. That's fantastic. Um, and I didn't do anything else, particularly Jane, to be honest, I didn't do anything else. Um, I've always, I've always sort of had, you know, small thing, football tournaments, golf tournaments, that sort of thing to raise money and, and, and pass those on. We've done that as a matter of course. And then in 2010, uh, Wellchild rang me up and said, um, do you fancy climbing Kilimanjaro? And I went, no, I don't. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> and I, don't know, I was, I was talking to someone they said oh no no that's really good you'll enjoy it I said I said it's a bloody mountain mate it's not about enjoying it's a mountain long way right long way and um I spoke to my wife she said you'll be absolutely insane do not be stupid so that obviously prompted me to ring them back the next day to tell them I would do it (laughs) and um and one of my franchisees uh said he'd like to do it so we went okay well we'll do it together that's fine um, and we did, and we, we uh, and again, it was for Wellchild, and we we uh, we we ra- raised a good amount of money and all that sort of stuff, and and it was it was tough as you would expect to do. These things are not meant to be easy, um, and it was it was um, it, it's a very interesting environment because again, it teaches you about people, it teaches you about relationships. You know, um, Russell and I shared a two man tent for the whole seven nights, right? Because that's what you did. And bear in mind, on Kilimanjaro, it gets it gets dark quite early, right? It gets very cold the further up, up the mountain you go. In fact, in the morning when the, the porters would bring the the the, the, um, the the water for you to have a wash, and they call it washy-washy, and they wake you <laughs> up at like god-earthly hour at 6.30, you look out and it's frozen. And you go, oh, I won't washy-washy today. No, that's fine. <laughs> you get up in the middle of the night. I'm not being funny, but, you know, some of us have to go for, a, you know, to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Let me tell you, it's a, it's a treat. <laughs> it is a treat. <laughs> oh, gosh. So you, you, ha- you, you know, you have to get on with people. You have to get on with people. You know, you're, you're, you're sharing facilities, right, and digging holes and doing all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you have to, you have to be um, personable. Um, and I do remember one day we were... Um, we were in a two-man tent, and I woke up a little bit earlier than Russell, and he was he was lying he was lying like that 
I get on here. I was like that. It looked like that advert for Maltesers. You know, <laughs> it was absolutely horrendous. Um, but um, but no, they were they were good. And then uh, and then a f- couple of years ago, um, I decided that um, I would change and and uh, start raising money for the elephants. Um, and uh, so I've raised some money for through our golf days. We have a golf day every year. I've got the golf day on the uh, on the seventh of July. Which is auspicious because mm-hmm. it's a, one of my big birth. Apparently, it's a big birthday, but it's a birthday of mine on oh, the seventh wow. of July. It's my golf day, um, and I'm looking for sponsorships. So if anybody's listening to this podcast and wants to give me money for the Ellies, let me know. Yes, right? definitely uh, get, that, get that in there. I will do. Uh, so uh, yeah, and um, and so now uh, you know I've raised quite a lot of money for 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 Well Child, and it's a great charity, and I, I loved it to bits and and, and so forth and. I was very privileged, uh, along with Russell, to be invited to Buckingham Palace uh, as, as a recognition for the work that we'd done to the garden party, which was fantastic. Um, yeah. So we did all that. Um, and now, um, you know, there's a, a sanctuary only three miles away, well, five miles away from where, where uh, we live in South Africa with five elephants. Um, and uh, one of whom is called Tembo, who I've adopted. He's 39 years old. He's absolutely huge. He's, uh, he's very intelligent. He understands 140 different commands, if you give them to him. Um, he's, he's a gentle giant, really is. Lovely, lovely boy. Uh, and he's got four, uh, four other elephants with him. Um, and they're rescue elephants, basically. And, uh, and obviously, it, it takes quite a lot of money to look after an elephant. I don't know if you ever looked after an elephant uh, up in the northwest there. But no, it takes absolutely a lot of not. <laughs> no. They eat, they eat a lot of things. And, you know, elephants virtually never sleep. They're always eating and moving and eating and moving. So, you know, they, you, need to, you need to have a lot of food um, to, to, keep them, uh, to keep them satisfied. So yeah, so I now raise money for for them, and uh, I'm about to launch a uh, a website because uh, obviously being a techno genius like myself, you'd expect that, right? Um, and, uh, <laughs> you're obviously not building this website yourself, Nigel. I know you better than that. You're quite right. Uh, listen, you want a, you want a real laugh? Here's a laugh. I haven't told you about this. Um, my first job when I left college, which would have been 1979. Right, my first job was working for Allied Breweries. I mentioned Allied Breweries, Allied Demek in Burton on Trent, the headquarters of British Brewing. Uh, and I spent three, maybe four years in a thing called marketing information. Right, I was responsible for or, or amongst the team of people. I won't talk about me, but amongst the team of people, um, we we got information to the brand managers about sales and profit and this and the other. And so I was a programmer. Wow. I was a programmer and a systems analyst. And, I, and, and here's, this will take you back because you won't even hear of it. I was programming in something called Ramis and Manager and JCL. And we were using, we were using cards. You remember the old cards? We yeah. were using those. Those wow. were the days. And, and one of the things we had to do is we had to change the, uh, we, had, uh, we had a computer which was, I mean, about as big as this room, right? And it had silos. And in, this, in the silos were, were data, um, I'd call them plates. And we had to change those every night. And I'd take out these bloody plates, change these plates, put them back in. Oh, yeah. 
the the only thing that saved me was I ended up managing that department because I obviously thought I was so crap at programming, right? <laughs> so I, I had to do something. I, my boss, when I first started, my boss was this kind of long-haired Scottish hippie type who ate computers for breakfast. I mean, that's what he did. So I remember one day I was doing a program to get some information out, and my program went on for 300 lines, 300. I mean, I was a proper programmer, 300 lines, right? Anyway, Jim came along and had a look at it, and I said, look, Jim, what do you think? And he said, well, it'll work. I said, that's fantastic. He did it in 70 lines. <laughs> and he go, yeah, all right, you know. But yeah, it's so, interesting because so- I know that technology is not your thing, and, no. you know, but your thing is people. Your thing is relationship. Yeah. Your thing is, you know, um, leading with your heart on that as well. And I think, it, you know, it's incredible that that's where you started, but um, actually not where it was right that you came out of that programming role, I think. Yes, I, I don't think it, I was destined for greatness there, do you? No, no. not really. But it's interesting because no. we've talked before on the school podcast that, on the school run podcast, that, you know, we don't learn about our strengths and weaknesses necessarily at school. So we do sometimes fall into careers. And I'm sure there's lots of adults in careers now thinking, this doesn't fit me right because we don't really understand ourselves well enough. What was, what was education like in Singapore? You know, how, obviously you weren't educated over here, so it's hard for you to do a comparison, but what were the elements of education over there? It was a, uh, it was a a British education system at the time. Um, So O levels, A levels, that sort of thing. So very, 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 very similar. It was a, it was, in fact, it was the um, Singapore International School, which became the United World College of Southeast Asia, which was um, one of Prince Charles, now King Charles's, uh, programs. So, right. um, yeah, in fact, we had, we had Lord Mountbatten came to visit us once. I remember that uh, with, uh, yeah, that was uh, fantastic. So, so we were very much a British education system. Um, okay. and, and so I, I suspect at the time it was very similar to what, you know, my peers were going into in uh, in the UK, but yes. obviously the environment was a lot different. You know, simple like that. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, just just coming on to a few of our questions before we wrap it up today. What what would you go back and advise your younger self, Nigel? What would the advice be to younger Nigel or to a young person today from from your years of experience? I think I think you've got to understand that you only get out what you put in. There are very few people who get out more than they put in. It happens. It happens. And we, you know, we see people who go, blimey, you know, he was an absolute lazy swine, yaddy, 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 yaddy. And, you know, his uncle died and left him five million. Well, okay, it's going to happen occasionally. But most people get out only what they put in. So be prepared to put it in when you're young because it will pay dividends later on. It really will. And, and it's a difficult one because, you know, it's the age-old thing, isn't it? You know, we really want experience and sagacity when we're 18, right? And we want youth when we're 65. And yeah. it doesn't work like that, you know? No. It doesn't work like that. You have all the energy when you're young and you have all the knowledge when you're older. So my, my advice to someone is, is two or three things. Number one, be prepared to put the work in 
right? And it doesn't have, you don't have to be working 24-7, but put the work in, right? Make sure that you, 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 you put something in every single day because you will get something out of it. Take every opportunity that comes along, you know, right? Don't be afraid to make a decision and don't be afraid to make another decision if the first decision was wrong. Hi everyone, we hope you're enjoying this episode so far. We're just cutting in to say, if you're enjoying our podcast, please click the follow button on whichever platform you're listening on. And please leave us a review. We'd be so grateful for your support and feedback. Podcasts are free to listen to, but if you are loving our school-run chats and debates, please consider buying us a virtual coffee. The link will be in the description of every podcast episode, and it will also be in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the school run under score official and why not give it a follow while you're there so you can see all the updates and get sneak peeks at upcoming episodes thank you so much and happy listening you have talked about a mentor in your life in terms of the the gentleman who was in print with you mosh moshy was he called moshy moshy yeah um do you recognize him as a, as a teacher or mentor that's inspired you in your career or is there someone else that you would maybe give that that title to no, I think I think the two people who inspired me most was was my father and Moshe, um, and and for for similar and yet different reasons. You know, my my dad was a was a a very much a work hard, play hard kind of guy. You know, um, so I mean, I remember I remember uh, I couldn't have been more than I don't know fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, and uh, my dad was going to a a, a dinner. In, in Singapore. And it's one of those, it was a, ch- a big Chinese dinner. So you, you had quite a lot of people there. I, I guess maybe 200 people, right? 20 tables of 10, you know, and all the rest of it. And he said, do you want to come along? In fact, he said, come along, actually. So I did, went along and all the rest of it. And, and, and uh, I mean, uh, it just sticks in my mind. Um, my dad would drink quite a lot. In, a, in that kind of circumstance, right? He wasn't, he wasn't a, a drinker, 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 but in those sorts of he drank a lot and he had party tricks and all that sort of stuff. And when he had a few to drink, we noticed there was a, a, a set of drums and a piano in the room. I played the piano. He played the drums. So we did that for a bit, which was great fun. And then as we were leaving about one in the morning, bear in mind, I'm 13, 14 years old, in the middle of Singapore, he, to- he tosses me the car keys and says, you better drive because... I'm not capable. Right? <laughs> and, and it was absolutely no problem. I drove home and it's fantastic. And, and he then proceeded to tell my mother for half an hour what a wonderful son I, I've got. And it says his son and don't forget it and all the rest of it, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, what, but you see, that was about trust and respect and, and, and a bonding of people, right? Um, and, 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 and so I had that, I had that background, as, as it were, and then, you know, with Moshe, Moshe was, Moshe appreciated people who, as I said before, worked hard, right? But he also pre- appreciated people who would challenge him, you know? He was not the sort of person, despite what people thought, people thought you just had to agree with Moshe. Now, you would disagree with Moshe if you, if you absolutely believed you were right. And I'll tell you a little story, just two minutes on a little story. I remember... Working like whatever for, for days and days and days. And we're on the top floor of a three-story building. 
And it was seven o'clock at night. It was a Friday night, right? I've been there since seven, eight o'clock in the morning. It'd been like that for the whole two or three weeks, right? I wasn't a director, by the way. Right? I was still a manager then. And Moshe came up. He was off on his, on his way home. And he worked late. Uh, and I think we were the only two in the building. And, uh, and he, he says, you know, you ought to go home. I said, me, go home. I said, you want to make sure those bloody, those what's it, what's it, what's it directors you've got, right, should never come back, let alone bloody go home. I said, I'm sick and tired of picking up their crap and doing it all for them. <laughs> I could do petulant. I could do petulant. <laughs> and, and, and I remember I had this Samsonite briefcase, beautiful thing. We're on the third floor. I told you, I said, another thing, Moshe, is you can stick this bloody job. And I threw the briefcase all the way down the stairs. Right? <laughs> I, said, I, I said, I said, I don't need it. I don't need this crap. I said, I don't have children. I've got my own house. I don't need the money. Right? I'm off. Bye-bye. I'm out of the building. <laughs> and he was running after me. And Moshe was not a, was not a tall man. Right? So, you know, <laughs> it was hilarious. It was like watching a Charlie Chaplin film. It was fantastic. Right, and uh, and you know, we had a chat about it and all the rest of it. And and he, he said, he said, he said, the thing is, he said, you know, it's about giving people enough rope so that actually they hang themselves rather than me have to pull the rope and blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um. And um. And and he was fine, and he was absolutely fine, and we got on fine, and all the rest of it. And you know, when I when I turned forty, um, I was away doing something, and I I, I came back to to the house that we were living in at the time, and. I walked into the lounge and there was a piano in the lounge. And as I said, uh, where'd that come from? She said, Moshe delivered it for your birthday. Wow. I mean, unbelievable. I still have that piano today. I still have the piano. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Unfortunately, since my, since my stroke, my, uh, my hand's not particularly good at playing the piano, but I still have it. You know, so what uh, a fabulous, we, fabulous yeah. story and memory! Yeah. Incredible, yeah. what what a guy! And and lovely that you've got had those two amazing mentors in in your life. Just before we come on to our very final question, Nigel, I just want to get across about your love of of traditional, the ways of traditionally doing business rather than the digital social media, all of that that people are hooked up on and and it's something I remember all the time when I'm talking with my franchisees don't neglect the print don't neglect the relationship build the getting on the phone to someone getting in front of someone face to face having an event what would you say on that traditional form of business today and how we can't lose it I've 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 done presentations in the past where I talk about um Building business is a bit like courtship, you know? Um, and you go through stages, as you would do if you were meeting, a, a, you know, a, a, a new uh, partner um, in a social environment, right? Um, there is a role for digital technology. I accept that. There's a role for digital marketing. But my comparison would be this. I would much rather meet and talk and go for dinner and build a relationship with someone I wanted, I wanted to have a relationship with than I would go on Tinder. People who are on, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a one-to-one relationship person, right? 
but some people go on Tinder, and that's what I think about business. I would much rather, I'd much rather knock on someone's door, pick up the phone, sit in front of them, and talk about you know their life. I'd understand a little bit about them because it's not about getting the order. It's not even about getting a repeat order. It's about being the only person of contact as far as they're concerned. Whereas if I go onto Tinder, that person on Tinder might have three or four different uh, dates this week. I'm just one of them. I can't control it. No. You're so right. And when I think about, obviously, you you were one of my, uh, and are one of my great mentors um, that I hold very dearly in my in my business journey, but also my relationship that I have with one of your companies, which is Recognition Express, and my relationship with Wayne there. And he just, he's just incredible on every level. And now I talk about him to everybody. I'm just sending mm. him people his way, like, because he does the, he just is incredible. And the, the way that you do business at Recognition Express, and obviously that comes from, I'm a great believer, it comes from the top and filters all the way down, but it, it's, it's really special and we, we can't just rely on that digital form of marketing. It's about people. You've said it, it's relationships. It's all about relationships. You know, if, if I wanted to sell potatoes, right, maybe, maybe, right, I would go on the, and, and put a website together about spuds, right? But I don't want to sell potatoes. I don't even want, I don't even want to sell pens and water bottles and towels and all the rest of it. I want to sell us, right? I want to sell our ability to help you, right? And that's what we, and, and our job is to provide a solution for your problem, right? So we take it away from you, take out the hassle because, you know, it's not your job, right, to find a product that's going to satisfy your, 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 your need. Your job is to teach people. That's what you are. You're a teacher, right? Yes. That's your job. That's what you want to do. So let the other people, we're not teachers. So we won't teach. You don't go find water bottles. We'll do that for you. And we'll yeah. make sure they arrive on time and, and, all, and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it is. I think, I think we, we have lost in, in this country, in, in the UK, I think we've lost the art of building relationships. I genuinely do. I think, I think we've, uh, we're not just with young people. I think it goes right through the thing. I think it goes across, uh, across uh, government, particularly that hopeless at business anyway and useless at making relationships across the whole sphere. Don't forget left, right, up, down, blue, green, doesn't matter what, what colour they are, um, they're hopeless. I think academia is just as bad. Um, you know, it, it's, it's almost as if people are scared to get close to people. Oh, I've sent them an email. Well, what the use is that? Well, you just send them an email. Yeah. You've got to speak. Oh, you've had this, haven't you, Liv? And I suppose you've had your training from Little Voices, but it's about... It's about people, and I th I'm thinking as you're talking there, you know, we have a massive impact as, as teachers at Little Voices on children's lives, on helping them to communicate, on helping them to find their voice, and I can't see that that will ever be replaced by anything digitally because it's so important. Yeah, can, yeah can I you totally agree. Can you imagine having a class with 20 kids, right, and instead of someone standing up there and talking to them and, and being there, you, you go, uh, we put a screen up for you today, kids. Right, and we got. Uh, uh, can you imagine that? I mean, it'd be hopeless, hopeless. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, 
we've got to maintain relationships and that face-to-face connection. So that brings us to the end of our podcast. Do you want to ask Nigel? Because I always ask the final question about his school run memory. Off you go. I, I'm going to ask it this time. <laughs> I don't know if I remember the question. So what's the, what's your school run memory of your own school run, Nigel? <laughs> I have a very vivid memory, and it's a lovely memory. Um, as I said, we had a we had a driver who would take me to work to to school every day, and so we would leave at something like seven o'clock in the morning, just gone seven. Um, we would drive to the school, and halfway towards the school, there were a row of shops, and uh, he'd park the car. We would get out, and I would have um, a small bowl of curry uh, and some roti prata, right. And he would have a cigarette. And we would sit there for five minutes and I would have this, this roti, this bread, dipping into this curry, eat this while he smoked his cigarettes. Five minutes later, we'd get back in the car and we'd go to school. <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And you couldn't, uh, you couldn't really make it up. It was, uh, it was terrific. Yeah. Oh, and the, other, the, the other memory, interesting enough, this is when I was about, I don't know, eight years old or something. Um, we drove back one day and, and where we lived, we had quite a lot quite a long lane. It was off the main main road. There were some houses, but it was a long lane, maybe about three quarters of a mile. And he stopped the car. I, I, I promise you, I wasn't more than seven or eight years old. He stopped the car. I said, what are you doing? Uh, I, I speak Malay, so and he was Malay, so we speak in Malay. Um, and uh, he said, no, no, he said, you get out. So I got out, and we, we walked around. He said, right, you drive the car now. My first driving lesson was driving that that car home on that thing. I, yes, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, what a memory! That's so yeah. special. And and Amazing. actually, I don't think we'll match a guest on our podcast, Nigel, like yourself, with your experience having been brought up in a different country, speaking to us from South Africa. It's been a yeah. very special episode. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the School Run Podcast. If this is your first time listening, please go back and maybe listen to a few other episodes that we've previously recorded. There's lots of interesting topics, people's different roles and careers. We're sharing all of these stories to inspire and empower young people. That's our reason why. You don't have to have it all figured out at school. My co-host Liv is my 15-year-old daughter and I just keep telling her her that school is just a small chapter of of life and there's so much out there if you just say yes to those opportunities. You don't have to have it figured out at school. We're privileged to be having these conversations and we're really thankful to our guests for coming on. Please would you hit the follow button on the podcast channel that you're listening to us on. This will really help us to grow and improve the podcast long term. It'd be lovely if you could write us a review on the podcast that you listen to us on and maybe give us a star rating. Lots of people have already bought us a virtual coffee so that we can have some chats and plan the content going forward. The link is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. And as Liv has already told you in the middle of this episode, we do have an Instagram, the school run underscore official, and we also have a LinkedIn showcase page. Would you just share this podcast if you've enjoyed it with one other person today? That would really help us. Thank you so much. Don't forget to click that follow button and we'll see you again next Monday at 6am. 